Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. I, I love our engineer. He always lets, lets this music run longer. <laughs> well, welcome to today's program. We have a very unusual situation. Uh, I have another. Uh, I have two callers on. It's not unusual for me. Um, I know I have Sasha Rubin on the phone, but who else do I have on on for today's program? Hello there. It's just Sasha over here. Well, there's two numbers on the board, but we'll we'll take it and say Sasha, you you you're you're on on tonight by yourself, and apparently somebody's on the on the board who wants to listen in. So Sounds we're gonna, good. Uh, we always start every, every guest by asking them one important question, a little bit about their personal background before we do anything else. So the floor is yours. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. I grew up in New York City before going to uh, Yale for both college and law school, and I founded my company with a classmate of mine from Yale Law School in 2012. Well, that's pretty good. Oh, you got to have to talk a little bit louder. Is this better? Much better, but you sound far away. Hold on one second. Hello there. Who's calling? This is still Basha. Is there anyone else? Okay, do me a favor. Call back in 15 minutes and we'll have you on the program. Me? Well, that... You got to talk louder. This is a confusing today day today because um, um, my board is literally uh, lit up with people wanting to come in on this program. I guess <laughs> that they saw uh, they uh, uh, they they saw there was a special time and thought they were special people. So they um, anyway, uh, I've, I've asked uh, uh, our next guest to come back in at. Uh, uh, 11.15 or uh, 4.15, but he certainly can listen in on a program and, and listen to what you have to say, and at some point uh, we'll bring him into the conversation. You, Great. you, You're here because you have some very unusual things to say, and I'm going to start you off very simply by saying, go right ahead. <laughs> so my... My company, uh, Priori Legal, connects businesses with a network of vetted attorneys at competitive rates. We're a tech-enabled platform that's hopefully making it easier um, to, for businesses to find, hire, and work with excellent uh, legal counsel. We've been we launched in 2012, and we're we're moving fast. Well, well, when you say moving fast, what do you mean by that? We're expanding quickly, uh, both geographically. We launched just in New York in 2012, and now we're in uh, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Texas, and California, and we're we're growing uh, pretty exponentially um, every every couple of months. So it's been a really exciting, really busy, really busy couple of years for me. Yeah. What fueled your growth? Why do people want to use your products? People your want to. Yeah, people want to use our products because the law, the the current firm model is not cost effective for entrepreneurs, and it's hard to find lawyers who have the right expertise. So, like in many other industries where it's already where the internet has already made it easier to find 
uh, great solutions. We are, you know, at the vanguard of a few startups who are trying to do that for law, and you've just seen pretty amazing user adoption. There's definitely a need for an alternate way to uh, to find great lawyers. Okay. Um, what what you say it's an alternate way, but how is it different uh, from from it? I, I don't think you've made it quite clear. Sure. Uh, historically, people found lawyers in one of two ways, uh, neither of which I think leads to optimal outcomes. One is references from friends and colleagues, and the other is looking up lawyers in a phone book um, or an online directory of sorts. Whereas what we've done is uh, we have we have an extremely data-driven model of matching you with the right lawyer, so you come to us tell us exactly what your business does, what needs you have now, and we can search our vetted database um, to find lawyers who have precisely the expertise that you need, and then we have you know, communication, scheduling, and billing and invoicing tools online as well that make it um, you know, substantially more convenient and seamless to work with your lawyer. Yes. Is it only for small business or do you also do, or for businesses or do you also uh, offer a service, say, to individuals? We work exclusively with businesses. Well, that's smart. Um, but how? Okay, but how do how do you vet a lawyer? I mean, uh, how do how do you know that that one lawyer A is better than uh, more suited than lawyer B? Absolutely. So it happens in three stages. The first is our upfront vetting process, which mimics a job application. So we um, we have we have an online application with certain mandatory minimum standards, face-to-face -face interview, and reference checks. Um, and after that, around 10 to 15 percent of the lawyers who apply to participate are admitted, and then they need to maintain 95 percent approval rating from priori clients in order to remain in the network. And in terms of how we match, we collect extensive data about the lawyer's practices and experience. So when you come and you say, you know, I, I need a lawyer in the entertainment space, preferably one who has experience with radio contracts, we can find lawyers who have exactly that um, experience and anything else you need to, to a very high level of granularity. Well, that's that's pretty good. But um, what made you go into into this um, field, and uh, how did you start? So, you know, when I was in law school with my co-founder, we were both struck by the impediments to um, both businesses and individuals finding lawyers, um, finding lawyers specifically, you know, lack of information about um how much services ought to cost, lack of transparency, um, inability to find the right lawyer. We found a lot of people were working with their, you know, cousins, brothers, their cousins' brother-in-law who happened to have a law license but perhaps didn't have the particular expertise that they needed. And so we thought that a marketplace solution, which has, you know, obviously become popular in quite a number of fields, uh, would be a, a, a neat fix. Um, so, you know, we started talking about it while we were in law school, and then after law school, I, you know, I, I went I went and I, I got funding, some initial seed funding for the idea, um, developed a tech platform, and I've been plugging away at it ever since. Well, how do you start up an operation? You've uh, obviously expanded, but how do you start? Um, you go into new ter territory. You went into Texas, which has uh, know a little bit about uh, enough to be dangerous, but how do you get refunded? <laughs> Um, uh, how, how do you get lawyers to come into the program? Absolutely, you know, um, it's it's actually it has not been a challenge to get lawyers to apply to the network. So when we launch in a new state, we um, you know we try and do some press events. Um, we ask our existing network for referrals, and we reach out in a targeted way to lawyers who might fit our demographic. Um, then we collect applications and we run lawyers through the application process and we admit the ones who meet our qualifications. I'm, I'm curious. I hate to keep coming back to the qualifications, but I've been in the business world a long time. What kind of qualifications do you look for? 
Absolutely. So we have certain mandatory, just sort of straight up minimum requirements, such as five years of um, of of, of relevant practice experience post bar admission, certain mandatory minimums of malpractice insurance. We look for lawyers who communicate clearly, who are tech forward, who um, write in an analytical way. And then, as I said, we you know we 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 do I, we think an extremely stringent vetting process up front, but. Uh, you know, there there are times when perhaps we miss something too. So that's where the 95% approval rating from existing clients comes in. If a lawyer falls below that, they're not. You know, they're asked to leave the network. No, I can see that. Um, but, but it's it's. I keep going. Um, uh, coming back to this because um, uh, lawyer is such a. Uh, a feeling type of uh, business when you hire them. Uh, I, I'm just curious uh, how you feel about it. Um, how, how do you, you get over this? You know, there's some lawyers I can work with easily, and there's some lawyers I can't. Um, how, how do you establish that? Uh, well, we offer free half-hour consultations with any of our lawyers before you make a purchase. So, um you can talk to lawyers on the phone and get it or meet in person and get a sense of whether they would be a good fit for your working style, your communication style, and your needs. Uh, right. Um, it's just such a, a, a very interesting um, uh, area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's such a dangerous. Um, I do a lot of uh, expert witness work in the printing and publishing area, and uh, I work with some lawyers that are very good, and I work with some lawyers that I wonder how they ever got their degree. Um, um, and and I, um, I, I'm just curious. And you say you have to have a 95% approval uh, once you work with someone in order to continue. Exactly. Uh, well, uh, what criteria do you use in that 95%? I know you mentioned it, but I'd like to get a little um, uh, a little clearer. Yeah, absolutely. It's from Priori clients. So if you were to use Priori, you would get to rate your lawyer um, at any point during the representation. And if, the law if more than 5% of their clients had a bad experience with them, we won't continue working with them. So it's it's, it's a rating system like any other. Okay. How did you come up with the name? Uh, priori means from what comes before in Latin. Um, and the idea was that if you use legal services proactively, a priori, you can save time and money down the road. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly on that. You never move without... <laughs> Uh, I, I can't uh, can't agree more. Um, uh, well, you say you have a partner. Um, uh, how do you and your partner split the work? Yeah, um, my partner handles. She's she's our general counsel. Um, we actually have two partners. So my partner from law school, who I mentioned earlier, Mira. Um, is our general counsel and also handles um, the lawyer side of the network. Um, I'm our CEO and I do client acquisition and marketing. And our and our uh, third partner, Dan, is our CTO and handles technology development and product. Okay. And if people wanted, uh, what's your website? I've neglected to ask. What's your website? that people it's, could uh, look further into it. Yeah, it's uh, priorilegal.com. That's www.priorilegal.com. Well, uh, we have another guest on this program. Uh, you know, the, one of the first rules a lawyer um, is taught is never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. <laughs> well, I, I've, I've I heard that a, before. <laughs> I'm sure you have, but I have uh, uh, another guest on on the line. I've just uh, 
uh, unmuted his his line, and I'm hoping he will identify himself again. And I think if if he's who I uh, believe he is, we may have a fairly interesting conversation if you stay on. Welcome Great. to the program. Listen, uh, you're nine one seven seven four six. Uh, he's got us on hold. Ooh. Say that. Uh, well, I've just uh, uh, I've got four or five frantic emails from people saying what happened. Well, my uh, for the second week in a row, my schedule board has been. Uh, um, uh, hold on one second. I uh, somehow or other I've here it is. Well, he's saying uh, his uh, his representative says, I asked, is he on the board? And uh, his reply was, shouldn't you know? Well, my answer is I, I see him on the board, uh, our broadcast board. My uh, engineer is frantically waving at me that uh, he's on, he's on, he's on, and all we have is, is music. So mm-hmm. w- welcome to, to the world of uh, live radio. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you, have you done many? Pro- what are you doing to uh, uh, market your program? Yeah, a, a lot of different things. So some thought leadership. I've done a bunch of podcasts. I do a lot of writing, direct sales, um, SEO, SEM, PR, the whole, the whole nine. What have you found is the most effective? You know, we find uh, because because law is so much about trust, anything where we can get directly in front of a, a client, whether it's at an event, speaking at an event, hosting events about important legal topics, um, or doing direct sales so far have been some of our most effective channels. Um, when you say host events, what do you do? Host the legal seminars? What type of programs that you do exactly yeah so legal seminars for instance actually tonight in just two hours we'll be hosting an event about the h1b visa process for entrepreneurs oh that that's a hot topic a lot of them definitely <laughs> but uh, um well how, where do you get your list from um um you know it's always interesting people say list uh, well, you know, we've we've been in business for a couple of years now, so we've had thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs who've used our services. So, you know, once they sign up, um, we tell them about our events, um, and we also promote it to the you know general business and technology community in New York or wherever we're hosting the event. Hmm. Do you find um, the differences? Do you find differences between? Um, Texas and uh, um, other parts of the con- uh, country, California? Yeah, every market we've been in has been fairly unique. For instance, um, you know, in in California, there's a, a substantial startup culture, as we all know, whereas we work with a lot more traditional small businesses in Texas. Um, so it depends a lot on what sorts of businesses are 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 in a place and what sort of access to legal resources they have. Hmm. Uh, I'm I'm always curious when I uh, I, I do uh, expert witness work and I'm dealing with the uh, there's some there are really differences between a California lawyer and a New York lawyer and a Texas lawyer uh, and Texas lawyers they're always talking good old boy and I'm always <laughs> worried when someone says it's, uh, I'm a good old boy. Because uh, I'm from New York. Um, Me too. Um, <laughs> uh, um, how long have you been in business? We uh, we started we started the company in 2012 and we launched it in 2013. So we've been in business for just about two and a half years. Hmm. So um, are you profitable yet? Uh, you know we don't we don't tend to talk about our our revenue publicly. Well, I'm not asking to talk about the revenue. I'm just curious. The point most uh, is, you say your your uh, startup is successful. 
when it passes its fifth year, and that uh, each uh, uh, you're supposed to lose money your first three years, make a little bit your uh, fourth year, and then uh, uh, become profitable on the fifth. Uh, I was just curious where you are uh, in that uh, uh, trajectory. That's that's why I asked the question. No, that that definitely makes sense. Um, we are, you know, if you check back in with me in a couple of years, I'll give you an answer. Oh, I, oh, I, I hope. We've had uh, <laughs> no, because um, we actually this program is now four years old, and we've actually had people check back in with us, actually call back in. I would love that. And, well, let, let's hope we're still there. I'm a lot older than you are. Uh, uh, you sound a lot younger than me. Um <laughs> Uh, and I don't mean that as a pejorative, but rather as a, a com- compliment and envy. I gladly <laughs> change my my experience, for, as I tell my students often. I'll change my uh, my experience for your age. Mm, but, I it, it's it's a good deal. I, I I can see both sides of it. Uh, you know, it's uh, often interesting. I'm, I'm at the point in my life where. Uh, you, you look back at mistakes you made and, and cringe, but um, uh, what is I'm the single thing? I'm already at that point in my life. Um, but but said, have you had any negatives hit you? Yeah, you know, I, I think that anytime you're um, you're starting a business and starting a business in a in a new space, there are challenges. Um, you know, one of the things. We, we have a, a really fantastic team now, but as we were growing, we struggled to figure out what sorts of employees we needed, what sorts of skills they needed, and, you know, occasionally we had to let really excellent people go um, just because they didn't, their skills weren't sort of the right match for what our needs were, um, you know, right then. And, I, you know, we felt like that was on us for making the mistake in hiring them in the first place. Um, but, you know, those things have definitely been challenges. It's interesting. Most people say the challenge has been raising the money and getting enough money to keep going. Uh, It seems one of yours is uh, choosing the right people. Not that they're the wrong people, but that they're not in the right position. Exactly, exactly. You know, I think when you're growing, your needs change pretty quickly, too, right? The right person... Mm -hmm. When you're in the process of designing your website, isn't necessarily the right person who's going to maintain it over time, or you know, just something like that. And so, you you need to keep on. Either people need to change with the role, or sometimes you unfortunately need new people. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Sasha, I'm going to say thank you for being on and being extremely um, helpful with us <laughs> in. Uh, uh, a, learning something, and B, uh, keeping on the phone uh, longer than we anticipated. Mm-hmm. Thank well, you. Well, no problem at all. Thank you so much for having but me. I really you, enjoyed it. Before you oh. go, once more, you, your um, uh, your website? It's prioriegal.com. www.prioriegal.com. Uh, call in on the uh, the number six four six nine two nine two uh nine twenty two three three seven please right really thank you yeah thank you so much have a good one you too Thanks. want to know more about health savings accounts for your company or yourself Go to 2hsa.com and get a free employer's primer. Health savings accounts are a cost-effective way of offering health care benefits to your employees and yourself. HSAs build retirement funds for your employees, improve morale, and reduce your health care benefit costs. For a free employer guide to HSAs, go to 2hsa.com. That's 2hsa.com. Just how dangerous is social networking? Use of websites like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube are all the rage. But what are the downsides of this new technology? The incidence of bullying, 
stalking, harassment, and inappropriate content are increasing. Just how dangerous is it? What can you do to protect your child and yourself from it? Go to protectivecountermeasures.com for a free hour-long video on the dangers of social networking. That's protectivecountermeasures.com for your free hour-long video. Our next guest has written an extraordinary book, which I found extremely informative. Carmen Yadin, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. First, before we get into your book, and I'll let the the audience find out all about it from you, tell us a little bit about your background. Okay, so first things first, I'm an Israelian. I grew up in Israel. And and basically, my background is is totally not sales. I have an engineering background for uh, cybersecurity. Okay. What uh, made you first? What's the title of your book? How to boom B two B sales. Okay. How did you come to write the book? Well, I had a very long journey uh, in sales. Um, after I did some uh, engineering position, high-end engineering position, and decided that I want to move to the business side. Moving to the business side was was really uh, um, changing concept, changing the way I think. You just change for me. Uh, I, I, I took it step by step. And and start doing sales was really hard, and I, I I guess I don't have the natural skills like other people say that are needed for sales, and uh, I learned how to do it. And because I learned how to do it, and because I do it quite good, I decided to help people like me who wants to move to the business side, who wants to make sales or that are doing sales and want to increase it dramatically, the, the, themselves results. So, ba- so I learned that there is how to do it. And, and Well, that is a fascinating interview that I'm going to play again. But we have our next guest on the program. Welcome to the show and identify yourself. Thank you, Don. This is Carl Mehta. I'm founder and CEO of Edcast, a Silicon Valley-based knowledge network company. Okay, and tell us a little bit about yourself personally before we do anything else. Sure. Uh, I've lived uh, in the in Silicon Valley for about 20 plus years. Um, I am an engineer by background, uh, born and raised in India, and uh, came here um, to the U.S. Uh, for uh, for higher education as well as um, uh, building uh, you know my family and, and living here, and um, I built three companies before I started Adcast. I've also been a venture capitalist before Adcast. I was a venture partner at a at a venture capital firm here, and uh, I'm also an active angel investor with about a dozen startups that I have funded in all majority in technology and in clean tech space. And what are you here to talk about today, about? Well, whatever uh, questions you have and uh, whatever is interesting to your audience. Well, well, first question everybody asks, what are the three things that you, as an investor, look for in a new small business? Okay. So I think the the, the first thing is the team is, you know, who the people are and their the competence, their integrity, their commitment, their uh, what have they done in the past. So it's it's all about people. Uh, end of the day, uh, in whether it's in business or life, uh, it's the quality of people that you want to to engage with. Um, the business plans may may change, but if the people are determined. And committed and um, and driven and has the competence, they will eventually get it right. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the market. Um, which market are they going after? And is it is it big enough market? Is it scalable market? Is there a market 
because you could be a very bright person and come up with a great product, but if there is no market for it, then it, it, all that effort will be will be wasted. So, very important to have a very good handle and research market research in terms of who the buyers are, why would they buy, what are they buying today? Uh, if not your products or service, what are the substitute? What is the what's the pricing? How much can what can they afford it? All of that stuff. So critically important to have a good understanding of the market. And then the third thing is, um, uh, it's not the product, I would say, but it's more about the approach or how would you get to the product or solution. That's more important at an early stage um, because I've invested in companies that doesn't even have a product. It's just some you know bright people who has a really good understanding of a specific pain point uh, in a market or a great opening or a need in the market, and they just have a really good idea around a solution that they would architect or they will build and why that approach why that solution they think is unique why would it uh, replace what people are currently you know using it to solve the same problem or is it solving a new problem uh, so that's very important and i think it's in that order of you know one to three that is very important in evaluating whether it's it's worth investing time and money in any new venture well you know this program, 59% of the uh, of almost the, uh, three out of every five listeners to this program either own or, or run their um their the business their own small business and I've since learned in our most recent reader survey that actually uh, we have a lot of bigger companies in there that wouldn't be classified who are listed in. Um, let, let me ask you, uh, you're obviously in the forefront looking at new things. I saw a report, um, I guess, in the Wall Street Journal that um, Silicon Valley and investors are kind of pulling back and that um, – the opportunities are less than in the past. Do you agree with that um, assessment? Uh, well, there is a slowdown in uh, venture investing or across the board, uh, and it's just a slight correction to the overfunding cycle uh, that we've just gone through over the past several years where anything and everything was getting funded. So. Uh, given the you know last year in 2015 uh, the slowdown of China and then there was a correction in the public market uh, that all weighs in and has an an impact in the private markets because private markets are not immune to public markets when there is a correction in the stock market uh, the it does affect uh, you know the private investors who are investing in in, in startups. So as in fact, you know, as a consequence of all that macro, you know, economics and everything else that is going on as has definitely as an effect. And I think it's also that people are seeing that they had they did a lot of investments in the past several years, whoever are the investors, whether it's an early stage or, a, or an angel investor or a, or a mid to late stage investors. Um, they they've seen that there's a, there's a lot of companies that have got funded a lot of them are not going to hit their milestone. They need a lot more cash. So the the whole mood that swings into trying to um, invest or support existing portfolio companies, and they pull back on the new investments. And so that is the effect that we are seeing. And I mean, in reality, uh, it, it is all good good things. I'm actually, you know, I think it's a very healthy thing because you got to have that pullback because otherwise we were. Uh, way too much on the extreme side of you know anybody getting funded and valuations going out of control, uh, almost kind of a repeat. Uh, we were at the risk of repeating you know the dot com you know ninety nine two thousand bubble. I, I agree with you. Um, we're seeing a lot of panic. You, you've invested in a lot of uh, companies. Uh, I'll ask you. Uh, and I'm sure, like most of us, you've had a failure or two. Well, what do you think are the big, biggest cause of failures? Well, <laughs> the first 
thing that the, the one thing that makes any business any company go out of business is you run out of money <laughs> simple as that <laughs> the, you know because generally entrepreneurs who start businesses they are quite determined you know determined people they are quite you know they have the tenacity and i'm sure majority of them unless you're just not very mature you you start out with a very serious you know that uh, you know you're giving up a secured salary somewhere and you you're you're taking on a pretty big risk in your life and your family's life so uh, generally speaking you know majority of the entrepreneurs they have a very strong tenacity and a great character to hang in but the biggest cause of failure is uh, they run out of money because if they have money they'll keep going no matter <laughs> whether yeah. the market goes up and down whether their product needs a lot of iterations um they would keep going so i would say that the number one thing to 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 take care of is your cash flow and your cash burn and and your funding because you know if you have the money supply at some point you will get it right and and you'll be successful but you know most companies just have to pull the plug uh right before you know they are going to become successful because they run out of money now yeah you know, that's not the only cause i'm just saying this is a general cause obviously there are many other reasons that you know companies fail which is you know either there is you know one of the the team members or the the co-founders and or just the team doesn't have the tenacity they don't or they don't have the competence um or they have the competence and they have the money but just the market changes on them and you know whatever they thought of um you know there that is not a market or the market just changes so there are many other factors but i think the the other things you could continue to change but you know as long as you have the money well uh, uh this question i'm going to throw out out at you but you, if you don't want to answer it's okay um I've noticed uh, in our program over the last uh, year that we're getting older entrepreneurs and that, well either that it might be that the younger people don't want to come on the program feel they don't have to but uh, it seems to me that uh, the successful ones are are people over 30 who have a little bit of experience on it is that something you see um the older people sorry uh can you repeat the uh trying to understand older people or, want to come out or don't want to come out well they uh we get very few young people on this program we get older people on mm-hmm. this program okay and and, your and audience? Are you talking about your audience and uh, we also notice in our yearly survey that the uh, <clears throat> newer companies seem to be less the younger people and and more people 30 35 40 45 for instance the average age of our startups last year went up uh, went up from 32 to 37 years of age in terms of the ceo right. uh, do you find that yeah absolutely i mean you know um i think that is a stereotype uh, misperception that you know a typical entrepreneur is like somebody out of college and wearing a hoodie and a flip flop and you know college dropout and i mean the media loves to kind of idolize and uh, worship like the the young person to show it as a iconic thing and there are one of there are just because a few of those succeed they you know they're outliers but they tend to make that media loves to pick somebody to put it on as an as an icon The reality is that I think more people the more successful companies are founded by people who are there's a lot of data around it are people who are in their late 30s in fact the average age of a successful uh even venture back company um entrepreneur that I had seen some reports few months back was I think was quoted as 37 so and and I think it's it's a it's it's a good thing to do because generally you know by in your late 30s or 40s you you already spent about a significant number of years you know in a particular field of your you know of your profession and you've gained certain knowledge and you have developed networks and you have you have some level of reputation so you are in a very good position to take leverage all of that and and build a company i'm i'm sure the young people out of college 
will always they will also do stuff but you know they have there are certain industries where they can do very well which is internet and completely new technology which they are more hands on to but then there is a whole bunch of other opportunities which are actually in favor of uh, as you grow older you are actually in a much better position well um, I lo- that was in a way was a question to our lead in to one of the most patient guests we've ever had in our li- in our on our uh, now four years of this program, uh, we welcome to a program someone who's going to talk about understanding the making, maturing of the millennium, and et cetera. And I, uh, I would like to bring him on now. I've just unmuted his mic. Uh, hello there, and, w- Hi, and thank you for for your patience. Um, My pleasure. Uh, I would like to kind of make this an interactive for the rest of the program. If 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 our guest uh, will uh, be patient w- with me, uh, uh, but will you introduce yourself and your topic, and you'll see why I think that, uh, we can have a fairly good discussion. Uh, th- all right. Well, uh, my name is Morris Levy, and I'm uh, one of the co-founders at the Yard. Uh, the Yard is a co-working space in Manhattan with uh, currently five locations opening at 6th and 7th uh, in the near future, also in Manhattan, uh, where we have uh, close to 1,000, uh, over a thousand, well over 1,000 members, I should say, uh, uh, of small businesses from entrepreneurs to existing businesses uh, of all, all kinds. Well, we've been talking with a one of the most interesting uh, venture capitalists, uh, and uh, you, you know, in in the Gilded Age of America, they they were called uh, 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 financiers, and uh, uh, we've been talking about uh, uh, f- finding funding, finding etc. But now you're providing what I think is one of the, the most unusual. Uh, um, Spaces available. I'd like you to tell us a little bit about it, and then have a kind of a, uh, a three-way conversation, if you don't mind. That would be great. So tell us um, how the yard works. Uh, the yard at the yard, we take uh, larger chunks of space uh, and create uh, environments uh, with a sense of community where people could take smaller spaces and uh, run their business uh, with shared amenities. And um, and have a great network of people. Um, you know, certainly anyone could run a business today with a telephone and a computer, from any coffee shop or their or their couch. Uh, but there's something that uh, changes when you put yourself into an environment with other successful creative uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, and we provide that in a way that is different than what is currently being offered out there. Uh, in a couple of different ways. Uh, one, we're not very corporate, so it's still very comfortable and uh, and easygoing. Yet um, we do not serve beer during the day uh, or have uh, you know ping pong and foosball. It's really more for companies that are a little bit more mature. It doesn't mean that the the entrepreneur is older. It just means that their company is a little further along and that they're they're coming here to get work done and to grow their business. Do you see? Uh, I ask our other guests now. Do you do you see this uh, as a trend and uh, a benefit? And have you worked in, uh, with any of these types of companies? Oh yeah, we have some fantastic companies, and and you know we we try to go within when we're doing a project. Uh, I recently built a new website, and I had one of our members. We call them members. Uh, we had one of our members build our website, and we did a new a new backend system. We have brilliant programmers here. We went to them for that. So, yeah, the network is really tremendous, and uh, we definitely we definitely take advantage of that whenever we can. Because, uh, uh, and when I say take advantage, I mean being that they're being that they're so close. Of course, uh, you know we, everyone's uh, you know doing business with one another. There's no uh, you know taking advantage, so to speak. Well, uh, I ask our first guest: Have have you been involved with any of this, and have you seen this as a trend? I'm sorry. Was Hello? that directed at me, or was that was that directed at me, or was that directed at the other gentleman? At the other gentleman. I, I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, uh, I yeah, I thought you were asking uh, him. Sorry. What was the question for me? 
question you've been involved with startups you've been involved with companies have you have you seen this as a trend or have you been involved with this and have you any thoughts on the on the benefits of something like this of a co-working space correct oh absolutely yeah no i i mean uh, i started two of my two of my companies uh in a shared space uh was kind of more like an incubator and but but it was a shared space and i think the the biggest value you get out of is uh, cross pollination um you know of other companies who are in a similar journey and uh, kind of in a similar stage and you know they have you although you're in different industries and different you know uh, categories but you do have the same pain uh in terms of you know finding people expanding your network and all of that so it's absolutely uh, very very helpful to to get started and and work in a co-working space well do you have a website uh on how people can can reach you if they want to talk to you me yes yeah sure uh, you can go to uh the yard.nyc and they can oh. take a see a list of our locations and and stop by and, and our first guest, I'm, I'm sorry, my notes are incomplete today, uh, and I really uh, apologize to my guests and my listeners, but uh, my notes got off, uh, awfully uh, scrambled today. Uh, and, uh, no worries. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's unusual for me, unusual for me, but it's happened. So, uh, but I'm asking our first guest. Um, how do they reach you? Yeah, um, our website is edcast.com, E-D-C-A-S-T.com. And, uh, in, you know, the emails are there, info at edcast.com, or my email is K-M, uh, first initial, Carl, K, and M for meta, K-M at edcast.com. Ah, so uh, uh, now... It seems to me uh, we operate uh, my company, Information Strategies. We're a totally virtual organization. Our webmasters in Oregon, our sales force is in uh, San Francisco, etc. Uh, and uh, I operate out of a, a one-man office, and I, I often feel that uh, I'm I- isolated, except when I get to talk to people like you. Uh, uh, and I feel sometimes I lose something with it. Do you think people do lose something by being isolated, building a business? Either one of you. No doubt. When you put yourself in a situation where you could feed off of other people's creativity, um, it, it definitely can be a, a positive driver. Um, and, you know, socially it's nice to be out there and, you know, there's just, Things happen when you put yourself in a situation with other people, and I think that that's what people realize. Um, I think that there are, there are uh, lots of other benefits to to being in a space with other people. Um, I mean, it's really a long list, but you know, as it relates to the yeah. topic that we're discussing, uh, it certainly can be a lot more productive, and that's something that we hear a lot. Yeah, well, um, definitely Please. helpful to to be a part of a community and especially when you're building a company you're not, you're not yet established you you need help from so many different people and you're going to meet more people and also share your your issues and problems and all of that but also you know it depends on the type of the business like if you're just running a PR agency i have you know someone working from their home somewhere in north america so uh, it depends on what is the type of the business and you know where you are in the in the stage of your business you know it's interesting we have we have some members uh with us <clears throat> that are part of larger organizations and sometimes the CEO will take a space with us uh just to get out of his regular environment and put himself in a creative environment where all his employees are not surrounding him all the time just to see what's going on out there and actually bounce back and forth between our environment and his own uh which is ver- a very interesting use of the space that's the first I've heard of that one. So, yeah, we, 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 see, we see it often. That's that's very. I, I'm a little stunned on that one because I never even thought of that. But what a wonderful way to to get away from the people who always say yes to you. Uh, <laughs> that's, 
That's right. That's one way to look at it. I I, I was at a dinner last last week with the president of a very large company, and uh, his ma- major complaint was that he always got people. He only talked to people who said yes to him, and in, and it was very difficult for him to. Uh, get a, a real feel of what was really going on. Uh, I, I intend to email him at the end of this pro- program and, and tell him about your thought. I, I, I have a hunch he, may, he might be uh, one, of, one of your people. Uh, he was a, uh, fortunately it, and unfortunately, my employees are not that... Um and not that uh, subservient, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a well, new world. Have you ever noticed when the bigger the organization, how rarely someone says no in an organization? Um, I've always had a problem with that myself. I, I am not a yes person, so <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't really say that I do. Well, people, people say that, but uh, I've worked for very large organizations, and well, uh, admittedly, it's, it's ten years. It's been ten years, but uh, at that time, I remember uh, one of the biggest things were, were that uh, uh, no was never said. It was just said, "Well, we'll have to study it," which was, which was, was, to me is the same as saying no. But uh, I think that may, it may be off topic, but I think that goes to risk reward. I mean. You ask a mid-level guy a question. If he gives you a flat-out no, his days could be numbered. And what's his upside? If he says yes, someone else is going to take the credit. So, you know, it depends <laughs> on what size organization you're working out of. <laughs> you want to, Carl? You want to adjust that? <laughs> you laugh. No, I mean, I totally, totally agree. But uh, you know, in a large corporation, I think the motivation is uh, you want stability and you want to keep your job, and you know, the reason why you're there because you have a certain lifestyle and you have a certain goals in life and you want to keep the job stable. So you create less friction and you just go with the flow and you, you collect your salary and you do whatever best you can do and you have everything else to, to you know, as your lifestyle. You know, when you are in a smaller organization, I mean, you, you, you have a different level of focus because you want the company to succeed. You don't want the company to go out of business tomorrow. So there's more incentive to actually tell the truth than to be just uh, socially cohesive and go with the flow. So you know, it's just incentive, incentive, and orientation in terms of your focus. Um, you know, a lot of people leave startups and they go to bigger company and they're comfortable even with just the yes organization because they say, well, you know, I made a choice. Uh, I made a conscious lifestyle choice that I just don't want to worry about the business all day. I want to go to a stable organization that can pay me stable you know, salary, and I like to have that lifestyle. So I think it's it all depends on what kind of individuals and what stage of the company you are and what, peop- what you, the people that you hire, what is their goal? Are they coming here to help you build the business, or are they coming here because they want a nice work-life balance and a certain lifestyle, and they just want to do the job and, and get get paid? Well, I, Good point. I, I, strong point. Go ahead. No, Continue. I'm just saying that's an interesting point. Strong point. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's something to consider when hiring people. Absolutely. Um, uh, let me. Uh, I'm going to look at your website and if I, uh, uh, next couple of weeks. Are the are your web, uh, are your spaces in downtown in in Manhattan itself? Um. Well, yes, we have we have spaces in downtown Manhattan, and um, w- the way we try to choose a location is based on neighborhoods. Um, you know, other than being in downtown, uh, or, or I should say, midtown Manhattan, where it's kind of essential to have have um, you know some space, uh, which we do have three uh, spaces there now. Um, it's nice to be in a neighborhood. For example, we have a wonderful spot on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, on Delancey Street where um, people who live here want to be here. And like I said earlier, uh, with a computer and a telephone, you really don't have to travel that far. So if you're choosing to live in a neighborhood because you love to be there, why not walk to work, especially if it's your company? Um, And we also have a great location on the Upper West Side uh, at 67th Street in Columbus and and one in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, right right across the street from McCarran Park. 
uh, all of them are really strong neighborhoods where people really love to uh, be in and, and why they choose to live there and, and they just want to be able to, you know, have an escape from the home. Uh, an interesting thing is, you know, uh, you know, anyone could work from home some days. You know, that's how I got into this business by by not wanting to work at home and and seeing what the options were for me out there. And I decided that I thought I could do it better. But um, you know, when you put yourself outside of the home, uh, your work day becomes during work hours, and your life, your personal life, is really more defined by when you're not at your workplace which is something that, you know, today with, with all of our devices, uh, it's very possible to be half involved in your personal life and half involved in your business because you're doing both of them all the time. Uh, very, very, uh, the reason I asked you is I wanted to go see one of your places. Uh, how does it differ from um, uh, these uh, uh, headquarter office building, uh, uh, you know, where you have your own uh, office, et cetera? Uh, you know, uh, your own. Basically, um, we try to provide an office with a window for everybody uh, when possible, which is a great challenge in Manhattan. Uh, but we do a pretty good job of it. Uh, there's also a lot of glass. Uh, it's not glass between the offices, so you can't see the person in the office next to you like some of the uh, co-working options out there. But uh, But there is glass to the outside walls, and there are the the communal areas are uh encouraging and 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 inviting i should say to to uh people to gather and 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 talk about things and uh we also have events to bring those people to bring the members together uh and foster that uh there's also a community manager someone who is uh in touch with uh, most of the companies at 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 their location has no about their business and is able to make uh, introductions and referrals based on people's wants and needs. So the, that person becomes critical. It's a it's a great position for it's a great position and and it's one that is you know uh, a lot of people look at our business as a real estate business and it's anything but that. Uh, we're in the hospitality business. We're here to cater to our members. Uh, we do our best to look after them, to help them in their business, to help them grow their business, and to take all of the uh, minutia of the daily stuff out of it, like dealing with the post office, dealing with the printer, uh, you know, taking out the garbage, worrying about insurance at, or or worrying about Wi-Fi. We take all of that out of it so that you could just really get in there and focus. So it's very much a hospitality business, not a real estate business. Well, that's an interesting way of putting it, but I I want to come by and see one of yours. Uh, we're we're reaching Love the end of the time. hour, and I'd like each of you to um, uh, a give one thought to our audience about small business and uh, identify yourself and your company again, so uh, they know who and what you are and how to reach you. And we'll start with you. Me. <laughs> I don't know who you directed at. My name is Morris Levy, co-founder at The Yard. Thank you for having me on the show. Our website is theyard.nyc, and I can be reached at morris at theyard.nyc. Okay. Great. And, uh, nice meeting you, Morris and Don. My name is Carl Mehta. I am founder and CEO of a company called Edcast, which is a social learning knowledge network and our website is atcast.com. My email is km at atcast.com, and you can it's, it's completely free, and small businesses can use it for lifelong learning and daily micro-learning for their employees. Uh, it's free, so use it. <laughs> um, Thank you for having me. I'm going to invite both of you back uh, again because you, both of you are remarkable people and remarkable guests, and also very patient guests. And uh, I would like very much to have you both on the pr program again um, uh, uh, to talk more because uh, I think you have a lot to offer our uh, um, our listeners. Great. Thank you very much. No, thank you. You've been a great guest. We really appreciate thank you. it. Thank, thank you. you. Thank Bye. you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, 
but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience and profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.